Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Now, at the time of recording, um, it is the 6th of July. Um, the, this past weekend, uh, myself and the team went down to Maidenhead and competed in the La Familia Championships at Two Bros. And uh, what, a, what a great weekend it was for the team. Um, you know, across the weekend itself, we had in total of, of six athletes competing um, and, and six placings from that. Um, a couple of athletes got a couple of placings but you know, all in all, um, it was a great representation um, for the brand. Um, I think every athlete sort of held himself really, really well in what is probably you know, arguably the hardest qualifier of the year. Um, I was so, so, so proud of of the team, um, and it was it was good fun. You know, obviously it was the first sort of show um, of the season for myself. Um, it was a great way to kick it off. Uh, kind of learned that the the upper body maybe still doesn't have the size um, for IFBB, um, but I'll get a little bit tighter here, uh, do the final, see what happens, and maybe another sort of couple shows in between. Um, but you know, it's been a great couple couple weekends really um, to have the, you know the girls and Chris compete um, the week before um, NFM UK PCA, and then the two bros the week after. Um, you know, the the level of results um, and placings and whatnot across the board has been has been fantastic. Um, I think so far we are. Up at um, ten people have been on stage this year. You know, there's been twenty eight placings um, because some federations obviously allow you to, to compete across the board um, in, in sort of multiple categories on the same day. Um, inclusive in that is a couple of NFM UK Pro cards and overall nine firsts. Um, I think five second places, eight thirds, and uh, then we've got four fourths and then two fifths as well so it's it's been an incredible sort of first half to the season um, and the season obviously isn't done yet it's really only halfway through and um, with shows going all the way up into November time and um, so I can't wait to see what the rest of the season um, holds in store for athletes that are you know there's some athletes that are now sort of 10 11 weeks out some athletes just starting prep um, so it's, it's an exciting time here at Vida Physique um, really really exciting and, and I can't wait for the rest of the year so on to the topic of today's podcast and this sort of comes from uh, a client actually asked for this and it was mainly because um, it was a metric I was I was actually wanting them to start tracking for a variety of reasons and when they said oh cool is there a podcast and an article about it I went you know what there's not but I went that's that gives me that gives me an idea for an article on the podcast that I'll I'll write or you know I'll record this week. Um, so hopefully it gives you value. Um, today we are going to speak about tracking um, fasted blood glucose levels or just tracking your your sort of blood glucose levels in general. Um, why we would maybe do that? Why it would maybe be advantageous to do that um, if we are trying to sort of stay in this optimal place for growth. So, you know, you may have seen on on a, an Instagram, uh, bodybuilders posting up stories from what we call a glucometer, um, showing their fasted blood glucose levels. And it might say like, you know, 4.1 or it might say 4.9 or something like that. Or even some of them might show you um, like a, a reading that's after a meal. We call this a postprandial reading. It's usually two hours after, after eating a meal. And, you know, you might find this odd, because if you're just like an average Joe, you're just in bodybuilding, you've probably only really seen uh, like diabetics, type 1, type 2 diabetics checking their blood sugar, you know, back in the day, um, finger prick, uh, which is which is what people still do today, but finger prick, you know, wherever you are, check your blood glucose and see if you need to eat, see if you need to top up your insulin or whatever. Um, it, it's a bit more, you know, for, for actually type 1, type 2 diabetics, that, or for type 1s anyway, um, 
it's it's a bit more advanced now. I mean, Ali Ali's a type one diabetic, and he he would be happy for me to share that. Um, he actually has a pump that goes into into him, and um, he's got an app on his phone, I think, and he can literally scan his blood sugars um, with the app. It's it's absolutely mental, and then that that also adjusts his or he can adjust his insulin dosage accordingly, um, which is which is crazy. But um, for us non non diabetics, we we kind of go with the old school method. Um, but there's actually a lot of value in sort of tracking this even for us non-diabetics and um, in spite of you know blood glucose levels you know it's growing popularity to track it um, I think people that are tracking it they maybe don't really know why they're doing it um, they don't really know how to interpret the data from those readings so I figured I'd put a podcast together to explain um, well number one for my clients but also for you for, for the listeners as to you know why why we maybe track that um, what you know, how we'd interpret it things we could do to obviously help um, and and ultimately um, things that may perhaps affect it as well so I think what we first need to do is just kind of look at how our our body is going to process carbohydrates you know I think before you kind of get into it it's probably best having some sort of understanding um, how that works um, now although like carbs themselves um you know, people people will know what a carb is. We have different types of carbs. We have a simple carbs, you know, rapidly digested, massively increase your blood 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 glucose levels. So carbohydrates are broken down into their simplest form, such as glucose, um, or com or, you know a complex carbohydrate which is you know slow slowly digested. So the, the when when they're broken down from whether they were sort of simple or complex. Um, these are easily transported throughout the body, um, and they're going to be delivered to to vital organs, working muscle groups, um, to produce energy for you know just movement or just for living. Um, and, and your body itself can obtain, you know, glucose um, in a variety of ways. Of course, there's other sort of sources of energy out there. You've got protein and fats, but we're just going to focus solely on on glucose at the moment. Um, number one, where you can where you can get it from? You can get get it from eating. You know, food broken down. Um, in the body can produce that fuel, um, but itself, if you know, if we if we have an excess fuel in the body, um, we know that it can be stored um, in two different forms. Um, well, that would be glycogen or body fat. Now, what is glycogen? All, all pretty much the way I look at it is that there's stores within your muscle um, tissue, but also within the liver, where glucose can kind of let's let's maybe look at it, let's say it can just kind of chill out there, right? Him and his buddies. Um, they form a slightly different molecule. They all bunch together, called glycogen. Uh, that's the way we're going to sort of look at it in layman's terms. Of course, I'm grossly, grossly um, miss miss. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Gross, grossly under. Hmm, a bit tongue twisted this morning. I'm grossly simplifying. There we go. Grossly simplifying the the physiology. Um, but you know that's what this podcast is is all about. Um. But also we know that as you know, glucose itself is, is stored in adipose tissue, so in body fat. So you know your body itself could could effectively look at breaking down um, fat, which wouldn't necessarily produce glucose. So it will kind of go down a different route. Um, and also the last way your you know, your body could obtain um, glucose is through a process called gluconeogenesis, and but that itself actually involves the breaking down of protein. Uh, you know, muscle tissue effectively to obtain energy and it only really occurs in times of starvation so it's not something that we want to do um, or experience of course now you're thinking right Vaughn that's all well and great right so let's take the basic example of I eat something it gets digested 
and then that's going to increase my blood sugar. So if you haven't understood anything so far, if you understand that last sentence, then, then that's perfect. So you've ingested a meal, your blood sugars begin to rise. Now, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, in fact, it's needed, especially if we're going to be exercising. Uh, you know, we need that glucose for, you know, really available energy to, to, to help us do the work that we're about to do. Now, this, regardless of whether we're exercising or whether we're not, this sort of rise in blood sugar, it triggers a hormone called insulin to be released from the pancreas. Now, insulin is a hormone that effectively travels around the body and it's going to tell all cells, not just muscle cells, um, but it's going to tell cells to, to effectively open up and let glucose in. So it's going to communicate with muscle cells just as much as it's going to communicate with fat cells. And ultimately, that's a process that helps lower our blood sugar back to what we would call baseline levels prior to you eating your next meal. So without insulin, you know, our body couldn't use or store glucose um, for energy and that glucose would simply remain in the blood unused. Now, little sort of sidetrack here, in type 1 diabetics, you know, their body actually doesn't produce insulin. Um, which is why they have to, to inject it throughout the day. Because um, otherwise, as I said, if they can't produce it, then it's just the, the, the blood, that sort of blood glucose is just going to be um, floating around the body, sort of unused. And type 2 is a little bit different. Usually in that case, their bodies are able to produce insulin, but their cells have become somewhat insensitive to that insulin's message of, hey, open up, um, let, you know, let glucose in. And usually that insensitivity kind of comes from chronically elevated blood sugars, uh, which is strongly linked with obesity, right? So if someone is constantly eating sort of high sugary foods throughout the day, being very sedentary, have a large amount of body fat or a fair amount of body fat, um, we can we can you can develop some sort of insulin insensitivity where you you know it's just the, the cells ain't going to open up. It's just not going not going to let let it happen. Um, and you know effectively we call that type two diabetes. Um, why is that a bad thing if blood sugars remain elevated? Um, you know chronically, well. If, if, if that happens for an extended period of time, uh, this is this can be linked with cardiovascular disease, uh, vision, problems with your vision, uh, potential blindness, nerve damage, um, and, and a big one that a lot of people sort of don't, don't or kind of brush over is circulation problems, uh, particularly like in, for example, the feet, um, which I've seen and can lead to amputation, um, you know, bone and joint problems, and also problems with the teeth and gums. Now, that's obviously the you know worst of the worst um scenario and i know i'm going to be a bit off topic because we're we're talking about bodybuilding but i wanted to lay the lay the foundations and um, so you kind of had a rough idea of okay well this is this is the basis behind what we're what we're tracking um and, and kind of why we're looking at it so i think that when before we get into it it's important for us to kind of know um what it, what is normal you know and these can really vary between individual um especially if you are kind of a quote-unquote normal person or, you know, if you're someone that has a health condition, um, there might be other factors that affect these. Um, the kind of quote-unquote normal values for a normal individual and then say diabetics will be will be a little bit different. But, you know, having spoke with Ali the other day about this, he said, you know, although the values on, like, say, the diabetes website give you X, Y, and Z, but my sugars will never be like that. And they're so individual to him. He just knows where his perfect ranges are um, through, obviously, years and years of tracking. Um, but if you are interested, um, all you need to do is, is go on sort of diabetes.co.uk and you'll have a whole bunch of ranges. So 
if we're a non-diabetic, you know, we're we're a bodybuilder. Uh, upon wake, we're maybe going to see a fasted blood glucose re- fasted blood glucose level reading of about four to five point four millimoles per liter upon wake. Now that's a it's a big scale, right? So ideally, what we kind of want is we'd want to be on the, the sort of middle to the lower end of that. Why would we want that? Because we know we'd be a bit more insulin sensitive. Now, if, if we are insulin sensitive, what's going to happen is that our that insulin itself is more readily going to tell muscle cells to open up and let glucose in opposed to fat cells. If we're on the higher end, which perfectly healthy, no problem at all, as we kind of go with 5.4 and we go above, that's where our, our body still still tell muscle cells to do that, but then it's going to start. It's going to be be letting fat cells know as well. Hey, open up, let let a little bit in, let a little bit in, and, and this is why obviously if we're in a calorie surplus, um, and we've got excess energy. Then if if we aren't controlling our blood sugars, then a lot of it can be getting diverted towards our fat stores. Um, so so that sort of range, roughly the same, we would say prior to eating as well, maybe a four to to a 5.9 now let's say someone has a large large meal um and then about say as i said 90 minutes two hours after eating we would kind of be looking for that that blood sugars to be coming down sort of below a 7.8 millimole per liter reading that's that's taken those, those numbers are taken right from the diabetes.co.uk website now if you are going to do it first thing in the morning what i would say is consume some fluid before you do that, um, I should probably plug in here that the word fasted in this sense is simply referring to the fact you've eaten the night before, but you've not eaten throughout the night. An actual fast would be 24 hours, but in this sense, and for just the average Joe, um, just waking up, you know, not having eaten anything over the night is kind of what we are um, looking for. And effectively, what that reading is telling us is just how much glucose is circulating within our blood. And, you know, for non-diabetic, effectively, how well our body specifically insulin in this case, is doing its job of helping us sort of shuttle glucose into cells. However, you know, we can't just assume that you wake up one morning and you get one high reading that, oh, fuck my God, my body's in a horrible place. I'm just going to get fat. Oh my God, I'm in a crap place to add muscle mass. I need to diet, you know? You can't do that. And, and the same thing is as well as like, if you get one good reading, you can't be like, oh, sweet bro, you know, I'm in a sick place. I'm going to hit a 4.1 and I'm in, a, in an awesome place um, to you know, to keep growing or whatever it is. And the reason being is that these readings are affected by so many factors, so, so many factors. Um, some of these are going to be including like something simple, eating a bit later the night before. You know, if you usually eat a meal, your last meal at seven, and for some reason you need to eat it at nine, you're going to have a little bit higher blood sugars in the morning, simple as that. Other things that you maybe perhaps aren't aware of or aren't thinking about, high stress levels. Like high levels of cortisol going to negatively impact blood sugars and you're going to sit a little bit higher than usual. Other factors, dehydration, poor sleep quality, poor digestion. That's just to name a few. You could probably do a podcast on all the things that do affect it. So what I wanted you to make sure you do is that just take one one day's reading with a pinch of salt. You know, what I try and do is, is optimize everything, your sleep, your digestion, your routine, your stress level, circadian rhythm, optimize everything and make sure that if everything's in the right place, then you, then you can, you know, track a few weeks of data. You know, it makes sense for us to track, you know, uh, over a, a few weeks rather than just a day before drawing a definitive conclusion on your body's functionality. And 
I, I'd recommend doing it postprandial as well because you might be someone that gets a wicked fasted blood glucose levels reading, but then throughout the day you've got to put in so much food. Like if you're a bodybuilder, you're eating a large amount of food, right? Um, you throughout the day you might just be finding that like actually you know what after meals like your body ain't processing this. This is just this is just a bit too much food. Um, but I think the combination of both will give you a real good indication of sort of how well your body's handling carbohydrates or you know how 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 much insulin that you know the pancreas is producing to cope with the demands of of food so i hope that you're with me so far um, i hope that you haven't clicked off um, and you may be thinking well why does this matter and i'm going to i'm going to start off by specifically speaking you know about male bodybuilders but then i'll go into to why this is also going to help and for example females uh, with some conditions like pcos endometriosis and whatnot so as a male bodybuilder you know it's no secret that you have to eat large amounts of food um in your gaining phase to add muscle mass and this uh this of course can come with adding a fair amount of overall total body weight alongside it some sometimes 30 40 maybe even 50 pounds um and and, and in that 30 40 pounds you're going to see a, a fair bit of body fat kind of come on as well now what we try and do um, as coaches and as athletes, I suppose, is we want to try and keep our body in the most optimal position for growth as we as we are pushing our body up. By by doing this, you know, it means that we're going to minimize the rate of fat gain and maximize the rate of muscle gain. You know, if we if we gain unnecessary fat, um, it's just going to impede performance. It's just going to be harder for us to walk around. It's just going to shorten that, that the total gain phase as well. So. What we can do is we can kind of use these these readings, the fasted blood glucose levels and the postprandial, as like a, a contributing factor to decisions that we make in this gaining phase in regards to okay, well when 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 do we push food up, when do we pull down, etc., etc. You know, in simple terms, like if you're if the readings are sitting towards the bottom end ranges, it's suggesting that like your your you know, insulin sensitivity is fine, pancreas can handle everything that you're doing. Um, your body's efficient at telling cells, your know, muscle cells particularly, to open up, allow glucose in. Um, however, if you were kind of sitting at the um, the higher end of the scale, then we would kind of be be thinking that well, actually, we're maybe we're maybe kind of on our way to, to being in a little bit too too you know, too too much of a position that we maybe need to perhaps pull back because our body's then now telling us to. To, to, to put a bit more into fat than it was beforehand. Um, therefore, if you start to see, you know, higher blood glucose levels um, upon wake first thing in the morning, this is trending kind of upward over the course of kind of one, two, three weeks, you know, we would say that that's not the ideal scenario um, for your body trying to build muscle mass and you may be promoting a bit more fat gain as well. So assuming that you've been sort of tracking this from, the start of your bulk um you know maybe you're halfway through your gaining phase and you know you're just starting to see like a little bit higher readings than usual maybe for example in a fasted state you're continually seeing you know 5.86 postprandial you're maybe be seeing 8.2 8.5 um could, could mean a few things right could mean number one that you're eating a bit too much food i need to adjust your intake to get these within ranges so maybe you need to pull down uh, number two, it just means that your body fat levels might be a bit too high um, and, and that you need to diet down to become a bit more insulin sensitive. Usually, if I'm honest, that's the case. It's usually a combination 
of those two. Um, however, you might just be like in a pretty good position. You might just be having to eat a fuckload of food and your body might just not be able to handle this. So if you want to continue to push the boundaries like so many sort of bodybuilders do, particularly male ones that want to add a, a lot of size, um, you can look at sort of manipulating um, those readings through intervention. Um, before we kind of would, would go into that, um, well, I guess we, we can go into it. I mean, personally, I used um, something called metformin. Um, metformin is actually a, a medication and it's usually given to type 2 diabetics to help them control their blood sugars um, and improve insulin sensitivity. It kind of indirectly improves um, insulin sens sensitivity. Uh, but you may also see, you know, you will see bodybuilders use that um, to help sort of bring those readings down. Um, but you'll also see uh, potentially those bodybuilders use some form of extraneous insulin. You know, maybe they inject long-acting Lantus first thing in the morning, or they use like short, short-acting um, insulin, sort of, which we, we call Nova Rapid, to help them control their blood sugar. I mean, that's that's a pretty, you could say, dangerous process, and it's not something I'd recommend. Remember, everything I say, this podcast is for informational purposes only. Um, if you get if you get it wrong with insulin, you know it can lead to death. So it's not something that you want to fuck about with lightly. Um, but you'll see some bodybuilders do that, and then what what they'll do is that those readings that were a bit higher, they come back within range, and then they can keep pushing for a bit longer, and then they push your food up, and then all of a sudden they see a little bump up, and then they might say, "All right, okay, cool. Well, I'm just going to use it a little bit more." But they need to be tracking it, of course, to make sure that everything is sort of healthy and safe um, but the reason maybe as i said if they're in a decent position in regards to body fat and they've got a lot of muscle mass it might just be because they have just so much food that they're having to eat throughout the day but it's worthwhile noting that um as i said earlier on you know, some of some of those conditions we spoke about in females such as uh, pcos endometriosis you know they naturally promote a higher blood glucose level reading um and actually if you speak to your you know females if you're listening if you speak to your local gp um you can often get metformin on a prescription i have uh, two females with pcos that, that that get it on prescription and one with endometriosis that gets it as well um and that was just a simple phone call you know it was something that they didn't know that they weren't aware of it and i said look have you seen the research on this i sent them a few papers and if anyone wants me to send them i, I can do that no problem um they took, spoke to their GP and then like, literally straight away they were able to get it no problem at all um, which I think is a big it's a big one because you I think that in, in the in the bodybuilding bodybuilding scene um, in the female side of things you know PCOS endo it can be very hard for, for some females um, to try and sort of push through get conditioned build, build enough you know, build the muscle mass they want without that get kind of it's not getting in the way but obviously affecting it so if you've got some way of sort of helping helping your, your you know, helping yourself i suppose control those blood sugars keep your body in that what we've said optimal state of uh, optimal state to grow and um, then you can kind of put your mind at ease and if it puts your mind at ease less stress in the body we know if the body's in a less stressed out state and um, that ultimately you're in a better position for muscle growth or or fat loss um so i've kind of I, I know i've really sort of brushed through that um fairly quickly but i hope that all that will make sense um guess if i was to summarize it i'd say that you know your your body's going to shuttle glucose which you know is going to come from carbohydrates and um, it's going to shuttle shuttle that into muscle cells fat cells through that hormone insulin remember we said insulin is going to tell those cells just to open up like glucose in and um, we can effectively check how 
how insulin insulin's doing, how insulin sensitive we are by using a machine called a glucometer, uh, gluco- glucometer. Um, and you can you can get one off Amazon. That's where I got mine. Um, and you can track your blood glucose levels, sort of first thing in the morning, um, or postprandial, which we said was kind of about ninety minutes to one hundred twenty minutes. Um, post eating uh, but you can also i guess you could check it prior to eating as well to make sure okay my body's in a ready state of eating which could be could be beneficial as well um you know if you're not feeling too hungry and and you go to eat and you actually look at your blood sugars you go oh actually i don't need it um so anyway in non-diabetics these sort of readings can tell us as i said how efficient our body is handling the food that we're putting in as well as indicating you know uh, uh, whether we need to perhaps reduce food diet down put more food in uh, or perhaps sort of intervene through as i said um some people will you know use metformin and um, others might use sort of insulin to try and bring those readings into in, into range and um, to put their put themselves in a more sort of sensitive state and i think that as a whole it can be really really valuable um so valuable uh when trying to add large amounts of muscle mass um uh, and kind of telling you behind the scenes, you know, it's it's easy to look at photos and be like, yeah, bro, you know, this is sick. We need to be look, pushing food. We're doing this when, when actually, if you take a step back and you go, well, okay, we're looking good and we feel like we're in a good position, but how's the body handling? Sometimes you see the complete opposite of what you think's in front of you, um, or if maybe perhaps you didn't track it there within sort of three weeks, someone gets fat really quick and you go, ah, that's just because we're at our limit. Um, but also, I feel it's invaluable as well for potentially, you know, there's women. Within bodybuilding, who are who are maybe perhaps uh, you know suffering with PCOS endometriosis, um, who want to control their blood sugars. Um, as a side note as well, um, for those that have PCOS, um, metformin um, promote helps promote ovulation, um, which is which is pretty cool as well. But um, hey guys, I think I've uh, I think I've rambled on enough there. Um, I tried I tried to try and keep this. Uh, as, sort of, as simple terms as I can, as I always do. So I hope that it did come across. If you enjoyed it, please share it with someone. Um, but remember that wherever you are, whatever you do, give it the beans.